Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week we are exploring the journey of Emily Telford, a biology science teacher at University High School, which is a lab school affiliated with Illinois State University in Normal, Illinois. She also serves as an assistant instructional professor at Illinois State. On the last episode, we heard how Emily became interested in the sciences as a young student and how she intentionally designs opportunities for students to engage in authentic STEM learning today, including her female learners. When I spoke with Emily just before Christmas, our conversation turned toward how her assessment approaches for her high school students have evolved, which she attributed to an epiphany moment in a graduate course assignment about gaming and gamification. She connected this critical point of her journey of teaching to how she approaches standards-based grading as a classroom teacher and a leader in her school district in Normal, Illinois. Um, So another thing that I had thought of um, going back to grad school, that class that we took together, the gameplay assignment. Do you remember that one? Yeah, the gamification assignment. That, and I, that was, I learned a lot from that that I applied in the elementary classroom. And it was, I remember it being hard because I had never thought about teaching in that way. Yeah, I remember when Dr. Seglin assigned that, I was like, cool, I get to play video games as an assignment. But I, I didn't really see the value in that until I started like writing the paper. And I had like a huge epiphany because mm-hmm. I've always been, I've always played video games. Um, I played Minecraft. And I know like Minecraft, there, there's ways that you can use Minecraft as a tool in the classroom, but I just played like survival mode. Yes. Um, and then there was a, a certain paper, um, Learning and Games by Guy 2008. If you remember that that paper we had to read. And I He is heavily cited in some of my dissertation and some of my research. He's been big for me. So yeah, I, rem- I know exactly the paper you're talking about. So yeah, so I connected that paper to the tutorial in Minecraft and it was just like an epiphany moment for me because I realized, because I knew about like games and gamification, but I didn't really understand how all these different elements in video games are also important in the classroom. So for example, um, like needing some, a structure set of goals and that students should be able to not only know your goals but understand the goals and the importance of having like objectives and the students understand what expectations are Um, another thing like students should be able to apply the knowledge they learn from the tutorial or from your class to real world applications as well um like you can't just be like here's all of this content knowledge and then all right moving on like they should be able to apply it to to outside um, experiences and then also the importance of like immediate feedback so when you're doing a tutorial and you do something wrong and you like keep doing it wrong and there's like a little pop-up that says hey try doing it this way so that important importance of feedback immediate feedback from the teacher and then also um like the community around gaming too. Cause when I, I did this program or when I did this um, assignment, I was still kind of getting to know my students at the time. And I had like one student who, who, who was to put it nicely, like not the best student. And we kind of butted heads at times. And then I just randomly mentioned that I was playing um, Minecraft. And then he like sat up in his seat and he was like, oh, um, have you tried this? Look at this YouTube channel. And he like gave me all of these, these, this great advice and, um, different YouTube communities to check out, to figure out how to do things on Minecraft. 
And I also noticed whenever we would talk about Minecraft in class, different different students from different backgrounds could also like communicate about Minecraft. And so there was this huge um, sense of community around the game too. And then, so I also tried to bring that element into, into my classroom. So when they're doing something like a Pogol, it's like process-oriented guided inquiry learning, choosing, you know, different students, different backgrounds, putting them in a, in a group together and having them learn collaboratively was huge. And so kind of modeling that after, um, after like the gaming community. And it, I mean, now looking back at the conversation we had over the last hour, it sounds like that also extends in the way you try to engage them in like, you know, talking to experts and going out in the community and trying to make learning as authentic as possible while emphasizing that social element, you know, the clubs that you're involved in. It sounds like I could see how that bled out into a lot of the different work you're doing, actually. Yeah. So it's funny because like, like I said, I've always been a gamer and I just never realized like those elements of gaming are so important in the classroom without actually being like gamification and doing like badges and the typical things that you think of just having those, those elements of tutorial in your class um, can really support learning. I, the, you mentioned badges. That's primarily how I do my course grading. Now I got that from gamification and from Robin. So like I use that in my undergrad and my grad classes and they didn't know what to make of it at first Mm -hmm. until they started to see that, you know, we're here to support each other. And like, if you don't meet certain criteria in the assignment, we're going to work together and we're going to grow. And then by the end of it, they're kind of like, Oh, I get it now. And we had a lot of deep conversations about like assessment. And I think, I think we could all take a page out of gaming and what assessment probably should look like. Cause I think you talked about feedback, feedback's different than grades. And I think there should be more feedback and less grades. Grades are kind of punitive in my opinion, or at least they tend to be utilized that way. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, like if, if students grades don't reflect what they know, then what's the point of having grades and just like a video game. If you die, you should get another chance, right? So you fail. Exactly. And I, And I think especially it's like so apparent in science because like you look at the scientific method, we ask a question, we collect some data and if it didn't meet what we hypothesize, we do more research and we try again, like it's an iterative process. And I think all learning needs to kind of be that looked at that way. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And I just made the jump to standards-based grading and the whole um, like relearning oh. teaching as part of standards base that has some elements of, of gaming in it too. Um, so like identify. Does, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. It's like, where are your problem areas? Let's focus on that, get better, and then get another chance. So when you say you made the jump to that, does that mean like you are doing that just in the courses you teach or you high did that as a collective or did the district push it? Cause I I've talked to other teachers in the area and they've like mentioned they're adopting it, but I didn't know what level that was like a systematic thing versus a classroom by classroom basis. Yeah. So it's definitely a district district wide change. So we've slowly been transitioning over the past couple of years um, to standards based grading. I'm on the standard based grading task force which sounds more exciting than it is um yeah yeah 
I've always been interested in, in that grading method as opposed to traditional grading. So it's exciting. It's, it's been fun. It's definitely changed how I do assessments for sure, which then has changed how I teach because instead of assessing like multiple choice and true false, because you can't really tell where a student is at with those sort of questions, I've definitely moved to more open-ended questions, um, and questions where I ask them to apply or analyze the situation so I can really see how well they know the content. Yeah. And I guess to follow up, because now that I know it's more of a district-wide thing, so are you finding that teachers are primarily using it in a way where it's founded in like empathy for students and helping them grow versus like, like I've heard some of the drawbacks on standard-based grading for the way it's used. Some places it's more punitive where it's like very like rigid. This is the standard. This is the only way we're going to do this standard. And this is how it's going to be type of a thing. Are you finding that people are trying to be more flexible with it in general, considering you're on the task? Like maybe you have some more insight into that. (laughs) Yeah, I think teachers are definitely more open about allowing for student choice about how they show their, this is the correct word to use, their mastery of the, the standard. Um, I know I've definitely become more relaxed about how students show me what they know. Sometimes it can just be a conversation rather than like a, a formal um, assessment or if we do a project, allowing them more, more choice about how they show me what they know about a standard. Um, yeah, the teachers have definitely been more, more flexible. Um, but I know like, like the relearning, redoing aspect too has been a struggle. Um, as far as like keeping track of, of students where they are in, in the relearning process. Like some teachers at first wanted to say, oh, you get one redo a semester or, um, you know, if, if you if you don't do your homework, then you can't do a redo. So it's been tough kind of like having to show teachers like to separate the behavior from like the learning that makes sense. So like if they do a behavioral thing, they should have a behavioral consequence. It shouldn't affect their grade. Like their grade should simply just show you what they know about a standard. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it does. Yeah. And just for the purposes of like any pre-service teachers that listen to this, when you say that sometimes your way of following up is just that conversation piece, as opposed to a more like formal method of assessment, how are you going about like the record keeping of stuff like that? Cause you said some teachers are struggling with it. So I think some people out there would love to hear about like how you're managing that. I think the most important thing is to know your students, get to know your students. And when you're looking at their assessment, if it's just like something where maybe they didn't understand the directions um, or if they didn't use a word correctly, I might just like keep them after class and be like, hey, I know you know what this means. Can you just tell me real quick, like, what did you mean here? Um, or if you look at a student's assessment and you know the student, you're like, oh, man, like, <laughs> I don't know what they were doing the past couple of weeks, but they do not. They, they don't know how to do this standard. Um, I have a Google form that they fill out. So in the Google form, they tell me the assessment and the standard. They tell me why they didn't do so well on the standard. Um, there's a question about what they're going to do to do better. And then um, I have a 
a Google folder with like little subfolders in there with the different standards. And so I have that relearning material already ready for them. So they know to go to the folder, find the relearning material, and then they have to have that relearning material completed prior to our, our reteaching session. So on the Google form, I'll ask them um, like a, a time that works for them. And I have like my schedule up there. So when we're in person, we usually meet after school. Um, and we go through their assessment together and then I go over their relearning material and then I allow them to do the redo in person or excuse me, online. It's just been um, like whenever we have time to do it, um, we'll meet on Zoom. Yeah. Their assessment. Okay. Well, that, I'm really glad to hear like a practical way someone's going about doing that. That makes sense to me. And it sounds like you're fairly organized and like having those resources ready to go very prepared. And I'm sure that was a lot of time and effort on your part to get that to where it's like a very functional piece of your teaching. I have awesome coworkers too. <laughs> we kind of build it together. Okay. Material. And then if you, if you go this route, you also have to have like an additional test. <laughs> so we have two different tests, two different versions of every test, every assessment. And then, yeah. And so, and also the relearning material. Um, so it definitely takes time to develop. Right on. Yes, but once it's done, you know, it's done. It just takes little tweaks um, throughout the school year. And I, I noticed you were very intentional about your language. You talked about that students are doing the standard. It's something that I really try to relay to my undergrads. Um, can you explain? This will probably be my last thing I think I have. What do you mean when you say do the standard? I think that's important to delineate that. Um, so I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to the standards. I, I really, really love the next generation science standards because when I first started teaching in 2011, they weren't around. And I don't even remember no. what standards I used. I think I honestly just, this is going to sound bad, but I just taught out of the textbook. I just kind of reverted back to how I was taught. Um, very like lecture, worksheet, lecture, worksheet, and then do a lab and prove me right kind of thing. And then we have a test. And the standards honestly have changed how I teach the next generation science standards. So the, the performance expectations, the PEs within the PE, um, there's a disciplinary core idea. There is a um, science and engineering practice and a cross-cutting concept. So based on how that performance expectation is set up, you have to kind of change your standards um, and make them more student friendly, but they're based on those performance expectations. So, I mean, the, the standards alone, you can't really do like, like content heavy tests or surface learning tests because the standards require students to go more in depth and to show these skills, like yeah. asking questions and designing things and constructing explanations. They're, they're kind of just like built in to the next generation. As Emily and I noted in our conversation, students deserve the opportunity to make mistakes and grow from them without being penalized. This is a main component of the gaming movement in education and how many are approaching standards-based grading in a flexible way, which is evident in Emily's narrative. Teaching with this type of student's first mindset should also go hand in hand with active constructivist learning experiences, especially in biology and science classrooms, such as Emily's. Designing these types of hands-on learning experiences has been particularly challenging during the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, which Emily and I will discuss on the next episode of this podcast. We will finish exploring Emily's narrative 
on, of teaching on the next episode. You can follow Emily on Twitter at msandy. That's at E-M-S-A-N-D-Y. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening. Thank you.